Hi friends, Brad here, the lead pastor of a church called The Table, and we are so glad that you've taken time out of your busy week to be with us. We are in the middle of a series called Christmas Reels, where we are taking some of our favorite Christmas movies and we are connecting them to the real Christmas story. And this has been such a fun series, and we will end the series on December 24th, uh, Christmas Eve, which is why I would love for you to invite, 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 invite a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody that you already have a relationship with. Uh, they are expecting an invitation this Christmas season to be part of something that's really meaningful and important. And so we would love for you to invite your friends uh, to either our 4.30 p.m. service or our 6.30 p.m. service. Uh, we have reserved seating, and so we would love for you to go over to thetablejolia.org. You can find our Christmas Eve services right there on the front page, and you can go ahead and reserve your tickets today. We'll see you and someone who you are bringing on Christmas Eve. All right. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Table family. So good to see you. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving uh, with people or without people. I don't know. I hope it was great for you. And uh, we're glad that you're here today. Uh, we're so excited for our new series called Christmas Reels. We'll get to the movie in just a second. But if it's your first time here, uh, I just want to let you know we're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, my name is Brad, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, but we want to know that you've joined us today. So if you could fill out the card in front of you. Or if you would be willing to, um, you know, just go to thetablejoliet.org and scroll to the bottom. And at the footer there, it just says, I'm new. You can click on that and let us know that you are here today. We'd love to get something in your hands this week. I promise we won't call and ask for credit card numbers or anything like that. Uh, we would just love to get something in your hands this morning. If you're wondering what we're going to do over the next few minutes, uh, it is our mission at the table to guide you into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. Uh, we are followers of Jesus, and I know uh, for some of you who are invited, or maybe it's your first time here, you're like, that seems kind of weird. I know it's kind of weird. I know it can be kind of weird. And so maybe for you, maybe you're not here for Jesus, but you're just here to appease somebody who asked you to come. And I would just say our goal for you then is just to move you forward personally. Uh, that would be a win for us. We want to move people in their faith, but we also want to move forward, uh, people forward personally. And so if that happens today for you, uh, we're so glad about that. We're beginning this new series called Christmas Reels, and I know the big question looming over all of this is, do Hallmark Christmas movies actually count? And the answer to that is, we will not be showing Hallmark Christmas movies here. Uh, you know, I've heard people playing Hallmark Christmas bingo. Uh, I don't know if that's a form of purgatory or if you're on Santa's naughty list, uh, then you get stuck playing Hallmark Christmas movie bingo. But most of you are on the nice list, and so we've decided not to show Hallmark Christmas movies this year. Maybe next year we'll do that. Uh, but we actually want to take Christmas movies that many of us are familiar with. Uh, some of them are my favorites. I hope they're your favorites as well. And we want to make the connections. We want to bring the parallels to the, the real Christmas story. And I love that Jesus always spoke in stories because they connect with people. And see, it's not just a story of Jesus. It's the fact that he became the story that changed the face of history and changed our future. Which is why I'm so excited about 
this series. So if you're wondering where we're headed today, here's what we're going to talk about in Christmas Reels as we talk about Alpha. We're going to talk about Christmas plans. We're going to talk about Christmas probs, investments we overlook, reject and return, and change our mindset. Those are the few things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and as we do, I would just say this. Um, Christmas Eve is coming soon, and I would love for you to share, uh, to share our Christmas Eve opportunity with people. You can go to our website. They can sign up right there. We've got a big Christmas Eve thing that they can sign up for. So we'd love for you to invite people to that. But I also want to let you know that on the 27th, we are all taking a vacation. So there's this weird Sunday after Christmas and before the new year. And because it's not the new year, we actually don't want to start a new series because it's like the end of the month. It's just a weird thing. And the bottom line is this. A majority of our staff, if not all of our staff, are part-time, and a lot of them give full-time hours, especially during the Christmas season. And so we want to give them an opportunity to take some time off and to be with their families. And so the bottom line is we're giving our staff a vacation on the 27th, which means we get to all come back together in January, which we're so excited about. So you're asking, do we have church on the 27th? The answer is no. Uh, we get to enjoy our families. <laughs> so we're excited. Uh, we'll dismiss him in just a second. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, just give you a heads up on that. So uh, let's, let's dive into this morning's story. We're going to be in Matthew. And if you're not familiar with Matthew, there are four accounts of Jesus' life. Sometimes in church we call them the gospel or we call them good news. Uh, but Matthew documents the life of Jesus. He had a personal encounter with Jesus. And I love it in Matthew 13. Uh, here's what he says in verse 53, it says, when Jesus had finished the parables, uh, he spent a lot of time teaching. It says he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in the synagogues, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom? And where did he get these miraculous powers? Isn't this, listen to how they say it, isn't this the carpenter's son? I mean, really? Isn't his mother named Mary, and aren't his brothers James, John, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Sorry, I added John, it's just Joseph, just kidding. <laughs> aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. It's kind of funny, they go from being amazed to taking offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except within his own hometown and he did not do miracles there because of their lack of faith let's pray god we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word today we thank you for christmas and the real story behind it i pray that you would bless this time may our ears be open our hearts be receptive and our minds be changed in jesus name we pray this amen amen well, our family loves Christmas. In fact, we're like a bunch of little elves. As soon as Halloween is over, sometimes the day after, the week after, or the weekend after, we are putting up our Christmas tree. And so this year, we got really excited about Christmas, and we decided we want to put up lights on our tree in the front of our house. Now, we have this really cool maple tree. It looks like it's been, like, buried 40 feet below the ground, and so you only see, like, three feet of the trunk, and then all the arms come out, and they go, you know, probably 40, 50 feet up. It's pretty cool looking. Uh, and we thought, we want to decorate this tree this year. And so we bought 2,000 lights 
to decorate our tree. Uh, and what's funny is it only, <laughs> the lights only made it like two and a half times around the bottom. <laughs> it looks like a spaceship in our neighborhood taken off. <laughs> Uh, but we made plans this Christmas. We took two full evenings in the freezing cold to decorate this tree out front. And what was so funny was it was big enough that like our neighbors began to notice. In fact, when I was trying to sleep last night, it was so bright. It was like the Griswolds. In fact, one of my neighbors came out in the middle of decorating and said, I have one word for you. And this was like at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I said, what's that? He said, Griswolds. He said, it's a sickness, my friend. Once you start, you can't stop. That's pretty good. But it's funny, another neighbor came out a previous night, and they, you know, their son brought out hot chocolate. It was pretty funny. Uh, but she came out, and she said, oh, the Flanders are at it again. Now, I've never watched The Simpsons growing up. I didn't know who Ned Flanders was, but apparently he's an overly religious, good-natured, very cheerful uh, neighbor that lives next to The Simpsons. So I didn't know that she was kind of, I don't know if this was a put down. Uh, they, they describe him as the pillar of the community. So I took that as a compliment. <laughs> but what I love is that, um, you know, it, side note here, I didn't know this, but in evangelical world, in fact, they describe um, when people associate evangelicals, other than Jesus, Ned Flanders is number two over the Pope over Mother Teresa, and even over Billy Graham. So when somebody talks about evangelicals in the world, Ned Flanders in the United States is what they associate us with. <laughs> so I don't know if that's good or not. But here's the thing. We decided this Christmas that taking two full evenings out of our Christmas plans to decorate a tree was really important. And some of you are like, that'd be a waste of time to me. And so I'm interested to know, one of the things we love to do at the table is we love to talk during the talk, and this is where we're headed over the next few minutes, is I would love to know your personal plans for Christmas. This is what we're going to talk about for a few minutes, um, but I'm interested. What are your personal plans this Christmas? So if you're new, here's what we do. You can talk to your neighbor next to you. You can take notes on this question. So if you want to pull out your phone and you want to take notes on this question, that's perfectly fine. Or we would love for you to text somebody. You could text somebody this question and they're going to ask you, what in the world are you asking me my Christmas plans for at 10 a.m.? And you say, I'll talk to you later about it. But if you come with me next week, I'll tell you why. So talk about this question and then we're going to dive in. dive into your conversations this morning and I could listen to what you're talking about or maybe what you sent out in your text message or maybe what you're taking notes on, I would guess that the majority of us, our personal plans involve people. 
but these people typically fall within our family circle. See, when we think about Christmas, we want to be around people that we actually enjoy being around. We want Christmas to be exciting. We want it to be joyful. We want to get the magical, fuzzy feelings that we typically get with Christmas and with people that we love. We love, you know, we love the fire. We love the presents. We love the Christmas meals. Like, we want everything in our personal plans to be perfect. I think many of us, come on, let's just be honest for a minute. I think many of us on Christmas Day or during the Christmas season envision our lives as a Hallmark Christmas movie where everything is just perfect. But the Christmas story is not a Hallmark movie. In fact, what I love about Elf this morning is that we are introduced to Buddy's father, Papa the Elf, his adoptive father. And one of the things I love is that he spent a lifetime investing in Buddy's life, coaching him, teaching him, showing him the ways of the North Pole and how to work on Santa's sleigh. In fact, you, I love it just because it's like, it's like this perfect little world that they live in. But if you've seen the movie, it comes to a scene where Buddy's adoptive father essentially has to let him go. He actually has to send him to this magical world that's actually just a dump called New York. It's no offense to anybody that's from New York here. And so Buddy goes from this beautiful, you know, gumdrop, lollipop, candy cane forest, North Pole, Hallmark Christmas movie kind of place to this rude, rough, dirty, I like eating gum underneath the bottom of the rails kind of New York City kind of place. If you've seen the movie, you love it. And I think I could easily make the connection. I would just say this. You know, God has a son. He lives in heaven. He wants to send him to this place of New York or the world. And he wants to enter into the mess of our lives and change our lives forever. We could all go home. That's the end of the message. Pretty simple. Um, and some of you would be okay with that right now. <laughs> but I want to focus on something we, we usually ignore. And that is the adoptive father. You say, I think for most of us, this is an investment that we tend to overlook in this story. In fact, I want to go back to this story real quick because it's so important. Here, here's, what, here's what they say. In Matthew, they said this. It says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there and coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. He continues. Where did this man, where did this man get this wisdom? I love this. Where did this man get his skill? Where did he get his insight? Where did he get these miraculous powers? And then they say it. Isn't this the, the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother Mary and his brother James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And aren't all of his sisters with us? Where in the world did he get these things? And see, I think Jesus in this story has skill. He has insight. He has acumen. As Matthew puts it, he has wisdom that is unmatched. He is quickly becoming a hometown hero in a hometown that never produces heroes. And see, you can hear it in the question. This is not a community that produces a pedigree of heroes. And almost you can hear it in the question of, isn't this the carpenter, isn't this just the carpenter's son? 
It's almost like a derogatory way that they're speaking about his father. In fact, there's so much question surrounding the birth of Jesus and who is the father that they don't even name the father in the story. They just say, isn't this maybe the carpenter's son? In some sense today, it'd be like, you know, we have highfalutin people who think they're better than everybody else. And so they'll say, aren't they just fast food workers? Aren't they just laborers in teacher world? My poor wife, they say, aren't they just paras? <laughs> uh, sorry, paras actually do all the work. Anyway, aren't they just paras? <laughs> Isn't it just Joseph? And see, one of the things I don't think we've actually thought about is that Jesus did not know everything when he came out of the womb. In fact, there's this little scene that I want you to see. Here it is right here. I love this. I want you to see this because it's so important for us to understand exactly what we're talking about. I think we've got it here. Can we play it real quick? See, I love this line because I think Jesus would say, I'm the Savior raised by humans, but I'm also a human raised by humans. And we ignored the fact that there is a 30-year span where Jesus is being mentored. He's being coached. He's being parented. He's being taught. He's being led on how to live life so he can eventually get to the place where he begins to do the thing that he wants to do. It was 30 years before Jesus actually started his ministry. And we tend to skip over the fact that Joseph spent those 30 years, maybe those 30 years, teaching him the important lessons of life through carpentry, his adoptive father. I mean, think about this. You know, I think about Jesus being a carpenter. My guess is there was a time where he wanted to rush through the work as a teenager. And Joseph taught him the importance of patience. And when you're patient... There's a perfection that comes to the project. The carryover being, hey, you need to be patient with people and offer mercy to those who don't deserve it. Right, I bet there were times where Jesus as a teenager wanted to weasel his way out of the work. Like, I'm tired, I want to sleep in, I just want to play video games today. And Joseph said, not today, son, I need you to get up and I need you to get out. You're not cutting corners, you're not weaseling your way out of this, you're going to work today. And the carryover is not your will, or not my will, but your will. I'm going to the cross I don't want to do this. I'd like to get out of this, but not my way, but your way. We think about Joseph telling Jesus, you need to count the cost before you start a project. I need you to go out. I need you to assess the project and how much it's going to cost. Come on, the carryover is, do you know what it's going to cost to announce a new way of living in the world in the face of Rome? It's going to cost you your life. And see, I love this because Joseph essentially makes small deposits that make a big difference. This is so important. In fact, if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. Small deposits make a big difference. Small deposits make a big difference. In fact, I love it because that phrase, that idea comes in Joseph's names. In fact, I want to go back to Tectonos real quick. See, we don't see it in the story when we just read it for face value. But when they said to him, you're just a carpenter, you're just a carpenter, 
the word translates tectanos. Now, what does that sound like in our English? Tectonic. And when I say tectonic, what do you think of? Electronics, maybe. I think of tectonic plates. And so we begin to think about tectonic plates, and these are these, like these big giant plates under the face of the world that we can't see, that when they move, they begin to create mountains and space, and they shape the world that we live in. This is what Joseph's name translates, or what we're saying. So you hear them say, he's just a carpenter. He's only teaching Jesus how to be a carpenter. But when you unpack his name, it's saying, no, these small deposits make a world of difference. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a deep thought, but I hope that you're hanging with me. Because they're looking at Joseph and they're saying, you're nobody. But if it wasn't for Jesus' adoptive father, Jesus may have never been the somebody who changed our lives. In fact, I love this. My kids come home one day after hanging out with my, my in-laws there, Nana and Papa, and they came home, they walked through the door, and they said, Dad, we own a business. I'm like, okay, we own Nokia, and we're rich. That's what they tell me. We're rich. Well, I'll just quit working, man. You know, you, you guys can support Mom and Dad the rest of our lives. I'm like, what are you talking about? They said, we own Nokia now. So I called my father-in-law, and we had this conversation and he says, listen, I want to start investing in, in your kid's future, in my grandkid's future. And so I want to invest $5 a week or $20 a month into their Roth IRA. Now, we just can't give them $20. They have to work for it. So, you know, mom and dad, you're going to have to come up with things that they have to do around the house in order to earn $5 a week. Now, most of us would laugh if I said, hey, would you take out the trash, clean your room? Would you go clean your car? You would laugh at $5 a week. Most of us would laugh if somebody said, I will pay you for this job for $5 a week. But it's a small deposit. And it's $20 a month. But $20 a month over the course of 20 years. And then you have, you know, compound interest. And you have the growth of the stocks. Who knows what a big difference that will make. Can I talk to my parents in here just a minute? Parents out there, can I just say this to you this morning? Never underestimate the power of parenting. The biggest difference that you may make in the world is not you, but it's the one who you're parenting. You see, I think so often we ignore the small deposits. Like small deposits are so important. I love it. Speaking identity and truth into our kids' lives is so important as a parent. Todd, the other day, I love it, was leading our staff in a devotion. And he said, one of the things I try to do with my kids when I go to bed every night is I love to speak identity and truth. We are so focused at times on their failures and their mistakes that we actually don't tell them who they are. We don't identify the skills. We don't tell them where they're gifted. But he says, I love to speak into their life because it speaks truth and hope into them. Small deposit makes a big difference. Parents, eating dinner around a table. This is why we call it the table because we believe around the tables where people get healthy, where you have conversations about your day, experiences that you may have had that were bad, things that you're thankful for. Small deposit makes a big difference. 
when we talk about playing Monopoly together, playing board games together, making pancakes on Saturday. Or maybe it's talking about hurt feelings before you go to bed. Small deposits make a big difference. Maybe it's conversations about God and faith. Or maybe it's letting your kids ask questions that you don't even have the answers to. By the way, I love those questions. It's fun to be able to say to your kid, I don't know. I'm still learning as well. But these small deposits over time make a major difference. Now, some of you are saying, I don't have kids. What about me? Well, you should get some. You should work on that. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Some of you are going to take that. Please do not do that. Uh, if you're not ready for it, please do not become a parent. But you're saying, what about me? Well, let me just ask you this. What are, your, what are your Christmas plans? Let me ask you again. What are your Christmas plans? I think, again, most of our plans involve people that make us feel excited and happy and warm and joyful. But let's be honest, none of us wants to hang out with the people from New York or from Nazareth or the people that made our lives messy and our pain. Like, you all have those family members. You know what it's like to hang out with Uncle So-and-so. But if you really want to get serious about this story, if we really want to get serious about Buddy the Elf and the adoptive father, and we want to get serious about Joseph the adoptive father, then we have to reimagine or change our mindset about Christmas. Because here's what Christmas does. Here's what I want you to know. Christmas establishes, establishes your role as a leader in another's life. You ever think about that before? Tis the season. This is the reason. This is the real reason. When we look at the Christmas story, you are to establish your role in, as a leader in somebody else's life. This is so important. And some of you would say, I just say this, don't underestimate the power of your influence. Don't underestimate the power of small deposits that make a big, big difference. Bottom line is this. You are leading someone somewhere. You are leading someone Somewhere, Whether you want to or not, there are people who follow you. Your kids, the people that you invest in when you're working, your, your co-workers, your teachers, your neighbors, all of these are people that are watching you. You all are leaders. You're saying, no, I'm not. I didn't sign up for that. Some of you are looking at the scripture, you're saying, I don't have these things that Jesus is talking about. I don't have insight, I don't have skill, I don't have wisdom, but you have a story. You have a story, and, and here's the thing. There is somebody who coached you, who mentored you, who took you by the hand and said, I will walk you through this hard time. They showed you the stories of Jesus, they brought you to the church, they mentored you, and they loved you through this journey. And guess what? You are here, and your life is different because somebody made a small deposit in you. And the return is huge. And so I'm just saying to you this morning, this is what Christmas is about. You are leading someone somewhere. And let me talk to my followers. You're saying, I'm not a follower of Jesus. You can, you can dip out for just a second. You can't dip out of this if you're a follower. When you say yes to Jesus, you immediately say yes to investing in somebody else's life. You say yes to establishing your role as a leader in someone else's life. And guess what? Here's what I've learned as a pastor. It is 
messy. Here's what I want you to understand about investing in other people. You have to be ready for the rejection and you need to wait for the return. Be ready for the rejection and wait for the return. Here's what I mean by that. When you go back to the story, look at who's in the story. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this his mother named Mary? Isn't this the brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Aren't all of his sisters and brothers here? It's immediate family that is in the hometown who is questioning whether Jesus is actually the hero. I love this. In the story of Buddy, uh, he actually has an immediate family member, his real dad, who does not believe that he is his son. In fact, when Buddy shows up, his dad, Walter Hobbs, rejects him as his own son. He says, you are not my son. I don't know who you are, but you're not mine. And he essentially discounts who Buddy says he is. And in this story, Jesus' own immediate family discounts. They don't believe who Jesus says he is. I mean, imagine if your brother or sister walked up to you and said, I'm the savior of the world, congratulations. You get to be related to me. Would you believe them? You know the mistakes they made. You know what it was like growing up with them. You know that they're not the savior of the world. In fact, we know for a fact that James, the brother of Jesus, rejected his message He didn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But then Jesus dies. He resurrects from the dead. And James is like, whoa, if you can come back to life, I'm in, dude. (laughs) I'm definitely in. And I definitely believe you. And he returns to believe. In fact, we know that James becomes one of the greatest leaders of the faith. He once rejected Jesus' message. And then he returns. And I'll just say this to you as a leader. When you invest in people's life, they will reject the very thing that you offer them. Can I just say, don't don't get your feelings hurt. Don't be upset by it. Continue to be present. Continue to be the adoptive father. Continue to be there. Continue to invest in a life. Continue to make the calls. Continue to make the connection. Continue praying for them. Continue mentoring, coaching, walking, loving, giving advice when they ask for it. Because I'm telling you, you may not see the return on investment right away. But over time, I can assure you, I can assure you that they will return. Come on, parents. Some of you have grown kids who have walked out on faith, and you're waiting for their return. Don't give up on them. Some of you have family members who have walked out on life, faith, and God, and you're like, I just want them to come back. Don't give up on them. Be a leader, because small deposits make a big difference. Here's what I want you to do. You're saying, Brad, how do, I, how do I apply this to my life? Bottom line is this. Make plans for people, not just memories. Most of us are making memories with people we love and enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying, hey, enjoy your Christmas this year. Have an absolute blast. But I also want you to begin to think about the person. Be the one to win the one. Be the person. 
that someone else needs this Christmas. And so I ask you this. This is what I want to leave you with. Who do you need to lead? You're saying, Brad, listen, um, I'm not a follower of Jesus. That's cool with me. Guess what? People still look to you for advice and for help and for life and, and how to, who do you need to lead? All of us are meant to lead someone. And so over the next few weeks, I want you to begin to think about who is it that I'm going to invest my life in in the next year? By the way, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, this is how we do it. It's quite simple. It's not just coming to church. It's you, the church, going and investing in other people. So who's the person? Who's the one? Who do you need to lead in this next year? Come on, 2021. I, I think a lot of us think that um, when 2021 comes, all of a sudden we'll just magically, like 2020 will go away. Can I just say, uh, we will probably continue. And people need you more than ever. They need your leadership. They need your guidance and your help. And so I'm just asking you to make small deposits because they make a big difference. And you are leading someone somewhere. Lastly, I'm going to say with this. Maybe you're here today and you have been rejecting the message. You have been rejecting the gospel. You're saying, listen, uh, I'm not into the Jesus thing. Can I just say, I've been in your shoes. I know what that's like. It's hard to step into faith. You don't have to have it all together. That's the beauty of this. That's why we call it the table. Because when Jesus was at the table, there was nothing but disreputable characters hanging out with them. And I would just say to you, maybe it is time in your life to return. Maybe it's time this season to simply say, I want a change, and I will follow. And it's as simple as that. Today, God, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you all of me so that you can lead all of me and so that I can lead someone else. I'm going to pray for us, and I would love for you to pray that prayer today because it's time to return. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to stand in your presence this morning. I thank you for this encouragement that there are people who have stepped up in our lives. When we look at the Christmas story, there are people who have stepped up in Jesus' life who made all the difference. I pray that we would begin to think about the one person this year and this season who needs our help. I pray that you would lay them on our heart. I pray that you would lay them on our mind, that we would continually be thinking about them. And we wouldn't just think about them, but we would, we would begin to make our first investment in them. God, I pray for those of us who have struggled over the course of this last season. I pray for those of us who have lost loved ones. We've been through hurt and pain and we can't, we can't get over it. In fact, maybe we're just angry at God and faith. And God, I just pray that you would meet them in this moment. And that they would know that you're there to love them, to offer them hope, and to offer them peace. And today, we simply trust in you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray this. 
Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Table Tribe, as we end our time together this morning, I want us to remember that the table is for you, but it's also for the people that aren't here. And so we pray this prayer this morning. Lord, bring somebody across my path who needs to know you. Give me the eyes to see them, the ears to listen to them, the arms to embrace them, and the heart to love them well. Amen.